Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson. It's so great to have you here with us on this Friday, December 15th, 2023. Excited to be talking about everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Lockdown Blue Devils is your one-stop shop for all of those conversations from Duke men's basketball to Duke football. Tomorrow on the program, Chris Edwards will be here with us to talk about the start for this Duke women's basketball season. We talk about it all here on the program. And, man, we've got a fun show here for you today as my good pal Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on Twitter will be stopping by to chat with us here on the show about the first couple of games this season for the Duke Blue Devils. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow us on X at LO underscore Blue Devils. You can find me as there as well at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcast out five days a week. Going on three years of doing this thing and super excited to keep growing the show with you and your support. Now on YouTube, of course, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel as we get closer to 2,000 subscribers over there. So thank you always for your support here on Locked on Blue Devils. Without further ado, let me bring on my good pal, Ryan Lohman, who joins us once again on the show here today. It's been a little while since you've, I've had you on the show, Ryan. That's a good thing. We've got more basketball to have watched. Uh, but, man, I've missed you. It's good to have you back on the show here. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's been a, an up and down start to the season, uh, one that I'm not sure a lot of us expected, but it's, it seems like maybe the last two games are right in the ship a little bit. So um, hopefully they can continue that going forward here uh, with a big game against Baylor next week and super excited to see how they perform against a high-level opponent like that. That's just the season as we know it, right? There's going to be a lot of highs, a lot of lows throughout the course of the season, and we've seen a couple of those already to this point for this team. To your point, I, I think there have been a couple of – uh, kind of bumping the roads earlier than some might would have envisioned for the Stoop team with back-to-back road losses already against Arkansas and against Georgia Tech. But, boy, they bounced back quickly. Uh, what do you think about the fact that we have seen a couple of kind of roadblocks, but then Duke being able to turn the corner and respond quickly? Yeah, I think it's a testament to to Shire and this staff. I mean, I, I've been one of them that's been a little hard on them coming in after the this ex- expectations they had in the start they had. I think uh, the offense just looked stagnant. The effort and the intensity level wasn't there. Um, but after a week of practice and a couple of games uh, after the the two game losing streak, I think it's you can see what they're trying to do out there. And, and when it when the players actually respect that game plan and, and take it out there on the court, uh, it does a lot of really good things. And I think we saw that in the second half and and uh, against uh, against Hofstra. Um, but I also think you saw flashes of in the first half, even though the game wasn't going well. Hofstra is a very, really a very good uh, three point shooting team. They're going to hit the shot, which they did. Second half, it didn't fall as often as it, as they would have liked, which helped Duke in a lot of senses. But they're moving away from the ball. The offense looks a lot better. They're setting pin downs. There's, they're running actions for McCain, Jeremy Roach as well. Like Roach is obviously playing really, really good basketball these last four games. So uh, just a testament to the coaching staff getting these guys' heads right, not letting them get too down and, and not letting them get too high, uh, hopefully at some point this season. And just keeping them level-headed is going to be a key for them. A lot of talk about the offense coming up throughout our conversation here today. We'll have a look at some numbers a little bit later in the show if you're watching us on YouTube, and we'll do our best to vocalize those who may be listening to us in a podcast form. But with that being said, I'm glad you mentioned John Shire. Uh, in, In my world, and you certainly are the guy when it comes to the Duke basketball talking space 
out there on a platform like Twitter. It feels as though uh, there's been a little bit of discourse amongst the fans through these first 10 games of the season about John Shire, the in-game coach, which is always so fascinating to me that we're quickly forming these opinions on a dude that's only had the job for over one season, 10 games into the second year. And in a lot of ways, I just don't know how people walk away with the opinions that they do, those more so being in the negative light with what we've seen so far. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the week with Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Even in Duke's wins this season, there are very clear adjustments that are taking place at halftime and in the locker room throughout the course of these games. I don't know how people are walking away with these opinions that John Shire is just not seeing some things throughout the course of a game. Yeah, for me, I think my, my biggest gripe was the was the stagnant offense, especially coming into the season when we have uh, the high-power guys that we're bringing back. You have Proctor, who is expected to make a lottery pick leap. You have Flip, who's expected to, to make a, a little bit of a leap. It's tough to do after last season, but another leap to stay in that lottery conversation. Um, and then Roach, obviously a fourth-year player coming back, who has played well now recently. Um, and then Mark Mitchell last year, who did probably shoot well, and we're seeing he shot much better from three than – Probably should have. He kind of came back down to life this year uh, with that shot that he's got. That's about as uh, as as high as a line driving baseball. So, uh, but the offensive firepower was there. You come back, then you bring in guys like Caleb Foster, Jerry McCain, uh, TJ Power, a little bit of Sean Stewart, and then just um, I think one thing I struggled with last season was the lack of roles and lack of identity, um, and that didn't come around until later in the season when Duke started turning it on. The rotation was set. You once Lively got healthy, you could see this team. Uh, everybody really settling into their roles. And I think that was the hard part for me coming into this season was I want to see roles defined. I, it's going to take a few games to get rotations going, but uh, I want guys to know when they're going to be playing uh, in these bigger games. And it just didn't seem like right away that that these freshmen and these even the older guys knew exactly what their roles when they're out there, especially guys like Mitchell. Um, and then you bring in guy a guy like Ryan Young every now and then, which I'm not against Ryan Young by any means. I have he has his place in the court, um, but then, like I said, going back at the offensive sets, it just seemed like we'd come down this, come down the court. We'd have a ball screen be set at the top, and then after that, no one else is moving. It's a dribble drive, pat, kick it out. And so, um, I do. I, I want to praise John for these last two games. There's been more pin down, some a, a more action away from. Uh, from the ball handler, uh, which I was calling, I'm not saying I was right. And I know John talked about, and, and the guys talked about what they're doing in practice isn't showing up in games. And so that may not be on John at all. I, I, this is just a fan take. And so uh, maybe now the guys are just doing what they're told in practice and, and, and it's translating to the game. Um, but in these last few games, it's just been nice to see. And I think I forget his name who tweeted it, And I, I quote tweeted it as well. Um, about them, uh, Duke running more of a, a Denver Nuggets style offense with Flip Brian Geisinger from ACC yeah. Sports. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, uh, Flip running more of that Jokic style, and and sure, Flip shot really, really poorly from three pointers start the season. This offense doesn't work unless Flip can stretch the floor, and and running that pro style offense is the same. So once he starts hitting these threes, like he has the last two games, uh, that offense becomes more potent. You can do a lot more with him uh, at the high spot on the, the top of the key. And so there's a lot of factors that go into this. It just there was a lot of I think expectations coming into this season with guys returning, and it just didn't come to fruition right away, which is where I jumped the gun uh, on on criticizing Shire. I think some of it was warranted. I do, but I also think um, if the guys are saying what we're doing in practice isn't translating to games. That's a little bit on the coach, but a lot of on the players and the leaders in that locker room. So um, I'm glad. Hopefully they're turning a corner now. 
Uh, and my point more so being like, hey, obviously these conversations in the locker room are doing something. You've got some, some competitive games in the first half and then the second half, things really ramp up. We saw some different shooting split numbers in games to start the year, even in wins some se- uh, this season. Duke has not shot the ball as well in the first half. They get more open, clean looks in the second half. Those numbers go up. As Connor O'Neill again pointed out uh, earlier in the week on this show, looking at the Hofstra game, in particular, Hofstra, one of the best shooting teams in the entire country. They only turned the basketball over four times in the first half. Duke made some adjustments on the defensive end of the floor. They turned it over 10 times in the second half, turning into a more dominant performance there on the defensive end. So uh, I just I don't like the, the disclaimer out there. And maybe I'm, I'm in a dark corner of the Internet not seeing what everyone else is seeing. But uh, let, let's give the kind of in-game adjustments a break for a little bit because I do think we're seeing more of those than people are giving this Duke team credit for. For sure. Yeah, and I think that is that is a good a highlight for him is, is the second half adjustments. I think uh, I still would like – I think a lot of people are clamoring for more Sean Stewart. I, I don't know what's sure. going on there. I don't know. He doesn't – there's times where obviously he looks a little rattled out there, but there's that's a freshman coming in playing in a high-level environment. Um, defensively, this, this team's been – Really good, I think, in my opinion. I think the most we've let up is 80 points this year, and that was to Arkansas after the game kind of got out of hand at the end. Um, but otherwise, we're holding teams into the 60s and 70s every every night. Um, defense probably not as solid as it was last year with Lively holding down the post, but uh, I will say the defensive side hasn't really missed a beat last season, which is which is great. And we did bring in some some length um, on the perimeter with uh, with Foster and I think Proctor. And Proctor being out now, I'm, I'm even more impressed by the way the, the freshman and Roach have stepped up to, to fill that void. So defensively, uh, props to the staff and Shire. They've done a great job there. We need to take a break. We'll look at some of the stats and numbers on the offensive end of the floor for Duke after this timeout here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. All right, here we go today. It's Locked On Blue Devils, and our show is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. Game Time is one of my absolute favorite apps that I've got on my phone, and you need to get it as well because you shouldn't have to worry about getting tickets to your favorite sporting event or just next big event in general. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. With killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee, GameTime takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Last-minute ticket deals, flash deals, they've got it all, as they're the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account, redeem code Locked on college for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guarantee. All right, we'll move forward here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson alongside my pal Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on Twitter. Tell me a little bit about your work, man. You've got an awesome show that you're doing. After some of these games, a great follow on Twitter. People have no idea who you are. Tell us about the Duke Nation and what all you got going on, Ryan. 
Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, signed on with the Field of 68 this season to host our show, Crazy Cast. I do that alongside Zion and Russ at Duke Better and Duke NBA. We go live about once a week, always after the big games, and then after uh, once a week in ACC play. So we get about 16 to 20 to 23 shows in a season, just depending upon how long the season goes for. So check us out there. It's been fun. It's been a, it's been a good time. And then obviously over on Twitter or X at the Duke Nation and then on Instagram as well. Uh, run an Instagram account with – a buddy of mine, Will, uh, that's at the Duke Nation on Instagram as well. So you really can catch us anywhere. I have a TikTok, haven't posted in a while. I'm just, I'm a dad, I'm a husband. I'm a little too busy to juggle <laughs> all this stuff. I got a bunch of social media accounts. So one of them has to take a back seat. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's fun. It's uh, The show's a good time and everyone is it's super interactive. And, and I appreciate all the support that people have given us. And you're always on top of things when it comes to Duke basketball and what's going on there, not only with this team, but the recruiting world. There's VJ Edge come out there, potentially still looming for this Duke team, and you're going to be on top of all of it. Go check out the work there at the Duke Nation on your social media platforms. All right, so we teased it a moment ago. I do want to take a look at some of these numbers that we've seen so far to start the year for this Duke basketball team. So if you're watching with us on YouTube, you now see these season stats. Uh, as you look at some of these Individual numbers, we've talked about the shooting as of late for this Duke basketball team. What jumps out to you in that regard? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is is that Roach three-point percentage at 50% for the season. Uh, I think they're putting him, at least recently, in some really good spots to, to knock down shots. He's getting really, really comfortable, um, which has been awesome to see. Uh, the other one, it, it sticks out like a sore thumb, is Mark Mitchell shooting 5.9% from three. I think I saw the stat he's like one of 17 from three this season. Um, it, just tough, man. And and not that he doesn't have the shot, because last year he obviously did. He shot, I think, uh, over 40% from three. So uh, those two numbers stand out a lot. Flip's doing his thing. He had a couple down games. I think that average could be up around 20, 22 uh, if, if he continues to, to progress the way he was. He said he wasn't really right mentally. This, these last couple of weeks. So um, I think if he comes back and, and his confidence continues to, to climb, that number will jump. The other thing, I know he hasn't played in the last two games, uh, but Tyrese Proctor with the 10.3 points per game, I was really hoping that would be up there even before the injury up there on like that 14, 15 range. Uh, but his assist to turnover ratio is, is fantastic uh, or has been in a lot of games this season. So uh, it's just really good to see um, him take, continue to take that leap at least with the with the ball handling and and the turnover wise so that's great the other thing i, I want to call out real quick is yeah. um this the numbers aren't going to show this but jalen blakes in these last couple of games just coming in some really good minutes hitting some decent shots and, and and making some plays offensively as well so some progression there i'm not saying he's going to get a lot of minutes in acc play but it's been really cool to see uh him come around this time of year again Yes, yeah, so some of those numbers, again, the shooting splits for Duke from three-point range, really important to point out here. Both Filipowski and Proctor, 32.4%. Both of those guys, 11 for 34 in total attempts on the season. Jeremy Roach isn't even 50% at 17 of 34. TJ Power, 50% as well, 6 of 12 on attempts this season. You mentioned Jalen Blakes. He's at 40%, 4 of 10 on the year, although he just had that 3-for-3 three three game against Charlotte, so there's a reason for a little bit of the inflation there with the three-point numbers. Hopefully he can keep that going. 38.5% for Caleb Foster. Mark Mitchell, really, really tough start to the year. 1-for-17, to your point, 6% shooting from three. And then my guy, Jared McCain, let's make sure we give him some love because he's been the outside shooter when Duke needs it most. 44.2%, uh, he's attempted the most with 43 three-point shots, 19 of them 
have gone in. Uh, I'm really pleased with what we've seen over the last few games from Jared McCain in particular. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a testament going back to just the offense we're running too. I think a lot of like he did shoot. He was he was taking a lot of two point mid range shots. I think to start the season, and and that was just coming off of broken plays or drives, and he'd pump fake and go around. And so now that he's getting more actions run for him, I think um, it's just been cool to see him continue to knock down the three point shot. It's something Duke needs, especially with the fact that TJ Power is only getting uh, sub ten minutes a game. You're looking for guys who can knock down shots. Jeremy McCain was coming in as one of the best shooters in his class, if not of all of high school. So. Uh, great to see him doing what he's doing. And he just seems to be playing with a little bit more of a confidence these last few games. It, it takes some of these guys. I don't care where you played and how big of a level you played on. It's a little bit different coming in here when you're playing guys that are four years older than you every single night, no matter what level uh, of NCAA basketball they're at, whether it's Arizona or whether it's Hofstra. These guys are good basketball players, and it can be intimidating as well. So just getting comfortable is awesome and, and getting used to the offense as well there. Well, let's see how they can continue to improve over the next few games to see how these averages may come down or some guys go up, right? Clearly, you would think, given what Mark Mitchell did a year ago as honestly one of the top percentage three-point shooters for Duke last year, you're going to level it out a little bit from this 1 of 17 start from the outside and maybe some other guys start to fall down back to earth a little bit. The other thing that's been important to point out has been Duke's effort on the glass and rebounding is something uh, that Duke has done really well in games that they've won and not done a good job in games that they've lost, which kind of makes sense. You look at Duke's next game coming up against Baylor, they're best, one of the best offensive teams in the entire country, but they're also one of the top rebounding teams at nearly 40 rebounds per contest for the Baylor Bears. On the glass, what have you liked out of the Duke team this season? Yeah, I think it's flipped just being more aggressive than he had to be last year because Lively yeah. was there to clean up everything. He's kind of filled that void on a rebounding point. I mean, obviously, we're not one of the best, better rebounding teams in the country, but the fact that Flip is a guy who can be play stretch five is is averaging almost 10 rebounds a game to me is, is super impressive. Um, Mark Mitchell kind of doing the same thing. We're just kind of stepping in and filling that void, being that bulldog that he kind of is and getting in there uh, to, to grab some rebounds at, at just under five rebounds a game, I think is key. Uh, Ryan Young obviously runs some decent uh, minutes for us, but not a great rebounder. But the one that sticks out here is, is Jared McCain as a guard getting over, just over four rebounds a game. And the, the He's guy's so impressive on the glass, man. Yeah, yeah he's just everywhere, man. And I, I I do some some betting and stuff and to see his line throughout this year go up every game at like, oh, over two and a half, over three and a half. Now it's almost over four and a half every game where you got to be making bets on him that way is kind of crazy for a freshman at his size. So it's, it's been fun, a lot of fun to watch. And just, he's always, it seems like he's everywhere on the court uh, on that end of the floor. Prize picks with locked on podcast network. We've got those over unders out there. So you're telling folks more than when it comes to the rebounds for Jared McCain more times than not, because he's attacking Recently, the glass. Yeah, right? yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he's just, he's just everywhere. And he, he's just sneaky too. So it, it's kind of like one of those. There's like, Oh geez, look, another one. He's right there. <laughs> And he's good at, at judging balls off the basket, which is a sign of a, a, a good shooter and B, a good rebounder. So That's what we love to hear. I love it. All right, well, let's uh, let's get ready. We'll take one final break on today's show, and then when we come back, we'll wrap up this conversation. Once again, my pal Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation joining us here on the program today. All right, Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends at Prize Picks. We just talked about them, and Prize Picks, of course, is the largest daily fantasy sports platform out there. All right. We have the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports as it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six 
player stat projections, and watch the winnings roll in. With basketball season now here, you could pick combo projections across football and basketball from a specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three-point shots made and receptions. Pretty awesome. You might want to go and check that out. Price Picks also offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Right now, go ahead and check out pricepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's pricepicks.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. Price Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. We wind down today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Ryan Lohman at the Duke Nation on social media platforms. Baylor, the next game coming up for the Duke basketball team at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Baylor and then Queens, and then we jump back into ACC play for good as we turn the calendar to 2024. How important do you think it is that Duke finds a way to win this game on Wednesday? I think it's huge, man. It, there's not there's not confidence like going in uh, to Madison Square Garden and beating a top. I think they're a top six team right now. So yep. uh, this team needs it, man. It's not a do or die or a must win, but this team needs to win this game to get them set up properly for ACC play. I'm actually going to be heading down to, to Durham for that Syracuse game, and I don't want to go in there watching a team with a lack of confidence. So um, obviously – Queen's not too worried about, but that's not a game that can get their confidence right going into ACC play. So um, this Baylor game is huge. It's going to be really tough. This is not going to be an easy game. It would be a very impressive win for this team. Baylor's always athletic. Like you said, they're one of the better rebounding teams in the country. And so these guys have to be making shots on their game and defensively going to have to keep tightening up with the way they have. And so uh, very important. I hate saying must win in December or before ACC play, but this feels almost as close to a must win as you can get. Uh, they just they need to have it for the confidence going into the conference season. Yeah, big game coming up, of course, with Duke and Baylor on Wednesday from Madison Square Garden. We love calling it Cameron North because we expect a, a big Duke crowd out there. Uh, tomorrow on Saturday this weekend, Baylor is going to play Michigan State a team that Duke has already played. So Duke's going to have, uh, you would say, fresher legs with eight days in between games when this one is played. But there will be a common opponent on the schedule as Baylor takes on uh, Michigan State over the weekend, and then they'll be able to play this Duke team. But, uh, yeah, as we talked about, that offense for Baylor can get after it. So uh, Duke's only given up the most points being 80 against Arkansas. As you pointed out earlier, Ryan, uh, I think they're going to be tested on the defensive end against the Bears. Yeah, another thing for this game is the strength of schedule that Duke's had. We haven't won any of, or besides Michigan State, I think they're our best win of the season. If I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, and they're not even good anymore. Like yeah. they, they've lost. They're really going in the wrong direction. Yeah, exactly. It's it, it, we scheduled these games, and and even Arkansas at the time wasn't really a top, we weren't a top 25, 30 team in the country anymore. So these are the games you have to win, especially when the ACC is as down as it has been. It's it's getting better. It's, it's better than it was last year, but still. Um, it comes seeding time and tournament time. Everybody right now doesn't like to think about it, but 
you have to you have to start thinking about it because if you don't start winning if you don't win this Baylor game you don't have very many quality wins going into conference play and you're only going to have a few of them to get in conference play and so when it comes down to to seeding in March seeds don't do matter people and coaches say oh it doesn't matter no it matters like statistically speaking the one seed has a much better chance of winning than two. I mean, it 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 uh, it goes that way when it comes to the March Madness. So um, the difference between a three seed and a two seed is huge. And so these games they do matter in December uh, as much as people don't want to talk about it uh, and and they don't want to talk about March and seedings at this time of season. They're big for especially when the ACC is down. So you got to take advantage of these games. Big time opportunity for Duke coming up again this upcoming Wednesday in Madison Square Garden, taking on Baylor. We'll be watching the game. We need to go out and check out Crazy Cast after these games take place. You guys do a remarkable job. One more time, Ryan, before you head out of here, promote all your work and tell folks a little bit about the show, how you guys are interacting with folks as the show is uh, playing out and that sort of thing. Give us a promo. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Crazy Cast on Twitter, on YouTube. You can find us on the Field of 68 Network with uh, Jeff Goodman and Rob Dosser. Those guys have been great with us. Uh, but it's a live show, and and you can comment along. We show comments on the screen, so it's kind of like a fan interaction show where you get your voice heard, we get our voices heard. It's a win-win for everybody. Um, and then it's a podcast as well, so if you miss it, you can check it back out on Apple, Spotify, all the places you get your podcasts on. Uh, and yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter or X at the Duke nation. I, I feel like I've gotten it down where I have all the right notifications turned on for certain accounts. So if any, <laughs> any news breaks, I have it right there. And um, you can ask my wife, my phone doesn't really leave my pocket very often. So it's always there and always uh, on alert. So you're never going to miss any news if you're following me. Uh, and yeah, I appreciate you. Let me shout that out. And no doubt. We're looking forward to having you back on the show here sometime soon. Ryan, thanks for the time. Thanks for stopping by. And we'll do this again soon. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate you, JJ. All right. That's Ryan Lohman joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. That's going to do it for our show here today. Thank you always for your support of the program. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.